If you would please turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Going to be reading verses 1 through 11. You may be thinking in some ways that uh, this is usually a kind of seasonal message <laughs> that we preach at, uh, at Palm Sunday, and, but that's where we are right now <laughs> in August <laughs> uh, in terms of our going through the book of Mark. Please give careful attention to God's holy word. Mark 11 1 through 11. Now, when they drew near to Bethlehem, excuse me, to Jerusalem, to Bethsage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a coat tied at the door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, what are you doing, untying the coat? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we would ask your blessing upon our hearts this morning that we would come with an examination of how we actually view the King of all creation his kingship, bless our hearts, give us the perception to see Christ's activity here before us, even in relationship to the world that is around us. In Christ's name, amen. Are you with Jesus on the way to Jerusalem? Are you with Jesus on the way to Jerusalem? Are you ready to have eyes that truly see and understand 
the three repetitive declarations of his destiny in Jerusalem. That is that the Son of Man will be delivered over to the Jewish Sanhedrin, who in turn will turn him over to the Gentiles to kill him. And after three days, he will be raised from the dead. Bartimaeus' eyes of faith have been opened. They have been opened indeed by Jesus, both physically and spiritually, as we saw last week, to see the deeper into the reservoir of the ransom price paid by his Redeemer for his redemption. What about you? What about you? What about your situation? Are your eyes open to true living faith like Bartimaeus, longing to comprehend every step of Christ's pathway as the way, the truth, and the life? Or are you living in a vague understanding about Christ like the disciples? Where do you stand this morning? Are you a true follower? Of Jesus. As we examine, as we take time this morning, as you examine your heart of faith, let Mark's Christ ask you Is this really the king and kingdom that you serve and embrace with all your heart, soul, and mind? Or is it just a nice story in our Christian heritage that we pop out of the woodwork on Palm Sunday each year? Let me get specific. Do you embrace the picture, the picture of Christ and his kingdom here in our text by an uncompromising faith and commitment to Christ? Or is your heart tied to Jewish culture blended into the secular Roman and ancient culture of Christ's day with political and military leaders arriving with the dignified fanfare of pre prestigious pageantry that springs forward to the modern day and parade of limousines of an earthly American president. What is more important? What has more importance to you? What's giving you more attention? Jesus' entry towards Jerusalem? Or are you waiting for Inauguration Day on 20? on January 20th, 2025. Well, Christ's path is before you. Are you truly willing to be his follower and comprehend what this means for eternal faith in him? 
Every step is ordained by God in accordance with his providential prophetic word in the Old Testament concerning the coming of the Messiah King. Again, are you ready for your faith to be deepened and be more enlightened by taking, by taking you on this path of Christ's final pilgrimage in wilderness journey into the city of David. Mark has told us from the first words uttered by Christ in this particular gospel that the kingdom of God has now arrived. It's arrived. And now we are at the point where the king of that kingdom is about to enter the capital of Israel. Israel. Jesus his disciples, and the crowd that is still with him is just outside Jerusalem in the area of Bethage, Bethany at the Mount of Olives. And he proceeds to give directions to two of his disciples to go into the village and bring a colt, bring a donkey to him, verse 1 of our text. Christ has just added another layer of his prophetic voice concerning the events forthcoming in his final week. Besides his forecast about his final end unto death and resurrection, he is now prophetically telling his disciples what they are going to find in his entrance into Jerusalem. As these disciples go into the village, they will immediately discover a colt, a donkey. And in that situation, they are going to discover that he is tied up, which no one has ever sat. Jesus tells them to untie it and bring it to him. Jesus adds, if anyone asks why you are doing this, just tell them that the Lord has need of it and will send it back immediately. Verse 4. At this point, permit me to highlight two points about the donkey connected to Old Testament revelation. There is the prophecy about the the messianic kingship coming out of the tribe of Judah. In Genesis 49, where it states precisely that the Messiah's king's donkey will be tied to the vine. Secondly, there is special value for an unused animal with respect to daily work for sacred religious purposes. Such an unused animal had the equivalent of being an animal in Israel without defect. Without defect. Thus you can see the connection. This donkey is viewed as an unblemished animal upon which the unblemished Lamb of God will ride as the ransom payment for sinners. For you and for me. All of this was crafted by the infallible revelation of the Old Testament 
for each of us as sinners in need of redemption. Well, is Christ a true prophet or is Christ a false prophet? What do the two disciples find? It is clear Christ is a true prophet. The event of bringing the colt to Jesus unfolds exactly in the manner that Jesus forecasted it would, in compliance with God's revelation in the Old Testament. But the revelation of God in the Old Testament concerning Christ's entrance into Jerusalem is not done. The colt is brought to Jesus because Christ, the Lord, the Lord of God's covenant oath to redeem his people has never, has, has need of it. Excuse me. First, notice that the disciples placed their own cloaks upon the colt. And then Jesus sat upon the colt, verse 7. Since the colt was unused, it had never been set up for riding before. And thus the disciples placed their cloaks upon the colt in service to Christ. And many in the crowd who had been with Christ now spread their cloaks on the road as their own sort of red carpet edition of Christ's path as king. For the disciples and those in the crowd who participated in this action, Bartimaeus's, Bartimaeus's action hangs over their head, who threw off his cloak, his entire earthly possession to follow and inherit Christ's kingdom. The disciples and some in the crowd are comprehending in an infant manner, I underline that, in an infant manner, what it means to deny themselves and be in service of Christ and his kingdom. And as I underline that phrase, infant manner, I underline it because they still do not understand the big picture, the big picture of Bartimaeus's deep and profound faith. Their gesture of placing cloaks on the colt and on the road is still immature at this point because they are still thinking in Jewish terms that Jesus will form some type of coup to overthrow Rome's presence. Even so, in association with the revelatory event of an Old Testament, the inauguration of Jehu's kingship. You remember that? The cloaks were laid down for the king in Judah, like Jehu, who was anointed as king by Elisha's servant to replace the wicked dynasty of Amri and Ahab. But this time, this time, the anointed Messiah will enter the city of David, exposing the apostasy of the Jewish leadership and will overthrow 
the wicked dynasty of Satan. He will do this on the cross and by rising from the dead, which has existed since the fall of Adam and Eve. Yes, the true king of the kingdom of God is about to enter Jerusalem and be confronted by the hostility opposed to his identity. The path, the way, the entrance is set before him. Cloaks and palm trees are laid out on the path that depicts the Jewish festival of tabernacles and the time of the Passover celebration. Although Mark does not mention the messianic fulfillment of this event from the prophet Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 that is found in Matthew's gospel, nevertheless, the three essential elements of Zechariah's prophecy appear in this event, blended with the exalted voice of the Hallel Psalm, Psalm 118, which we read this morning. A psalm which is part of the Jewish liturgy during the Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles. First, Christ will enter as the king of God's kingdom, so says Zechariah 9.9, mounted upon a colt, a donkey, and thirdly, he will enter according to Zechariah with the jubilation of the people. The shouting, the screaming of the people, which invokes Psalm 118, verse 26, declares, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means, what does that term mean? Save us now. Save us now. Yes, Christ comes to save now. His name, his name is blessed with the messianic showers of heavenly glory. He is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, the son of man. He is the one who ushers in the kingdom of God with all the thrust of the kingship of David. Remember? Remember our last message? Bartimaeus is the first person in Mark's gospel to reference Jesus as the son of David. Yes, Christ saves us now. Where? Where? Where's your heart pointed this morning? In the highest, says the text. In the highest. Save us now unto, as Paul would say, the heavenly places. Give us heavenly glory now. The crowd incorporates the liturgy of Psalm 118 in the providence of God to the Son of the Heavenly Father. But they do not perceive how Psalm 118 will be fulfilled during the coming week of Christ's final ministry. 
Most likely the crowd is interpreting and applying the infallible eternal revelation of Christ through their own earthly temporal grid of recent Jewish history of Judas and Simon Maccabeus who fought over a century earlier for the liberation of Jerusalem. The crowd's hope. The crowd's hope here in this situation. What are they hoping for? Maybe this time. Maybe this time. The final liberation of Jerusalem will come against foreign occupation. But wait a second. Wait a second. This seems to be confusing. This has to be confusing to all of them. Where is Christ's army of soldiers? Where are the weapons of war? He is giving no indication that he is an empowered military hero, hero who can conquer a legion of Roman soldiers. Where are his chariots? Where is his stout horse as a symbol of strength and prestige? His sole means of transportation throughout the gospel of Mark, except when he is in a boat, he is always walking. All through Mark's gospel, he is always walking. He walks the path of his ministry. He walks his path to his foreordained destiny in Jerusalem. There's no horse. He never rides in a chariot. But suddenly, at this point, he rides. He rides in fulfillment to prophecy upon a colt and a lowly donkey into Jerusalem as a message, a message about his own kingship. Now, let us get real about the picture that is in front of us. This divine picture to Christ's church. Every solid evangelical and reformed minister, when preaching on the event of Palm Sunday, will correctly, will correctly accent the humility of Christ's kingship riding upon a colt and a donkey into Jerusalem. But let me ask you, in our circles, 
How soon do we turn away from this picture of King Jesus and focus upon the rulers of the world living in stately houses and palaces, riding in limousines accompanied by marm guards and walking on red carpets? How much attention do you give to such individuals to solve the world's problems? Are you more fascinated and fixated with the elevated brass and brass of nations, even our nation, and have cast aside the historical truth that is staring you right here in the face about Christ's kingship as a pilgrim king in this creation. Christians have transformed this revelatory event of Christ's kingship into a quest for theocratic, for a theocratic kingdom on earth. Let me ask you this. Is Christ presently king of the entire creation? Is he? Do you truly believe and trust him as king in your religious heart? Ask yourself this question. Are you angry at Christ for who he has placed in power in this country or in any nation in the world? One thing I know from scripture and from this text this morning is that Christ's kingship is not, nor is it ever intended to be, a theocratic kingdom on this earth. And yet, Christ now reigns over all things from his throne in heaven over the earth, a throne that is higher than any throne among any nation. Do you really believe that? On your pilgrimage and wilderness journey, what's your voice declaring? What is it declaring with all your heart, soul, and mind? Do you truly declare Hosanna? in the highest. Do you embrace what that truly means? That God saves now through the ransom price of Christ's holy, righteous sacrifice for your sins to place you in the highest sphere of heaven, the heavenly places. Do you believe that? 
Are your knees bent before him who has come in the name of the covenant Lord of heaven and earth? Does your citizenship, as Paul describes in terms of who you belong, where are you as a citizen? As Paul describes to the Philippian church, does your citizenship in the kingdom of God, where the son of God, son of David rules, truly excel your citizenship in any nation on earth? Look closely at the world. Peer deeply into your own heart. Are Christ's own words recorded in Mark sinking into your life? Go back to 1042. Go back to 1042. Is it sinking into your life? Those who rule over the nations, Gentile rulers, are those who lord it over their people. That will exist all the way until Christ comes again. You're not going to get out of it. Jesus said it. Indeed, those rulers, those Gentile rulers, in terms of this whole theme concerning what Jesus has been teaching us, he is pointing out they, those Gentile rulers, want to be first. But Jesus tells us what? They will be last. They will be last. Are you embracing and resting upon Christ's rule? He has told us. He has come as a slave to all. He serves. His position on the colt is a clear picture of the last becoming first, of the least becoming the greatest. Why is this so hard to comprehend and receive into our hearts? Because of our sin. Because of our sin. We struggle, do we not? At thinking God's thoughts in us. We love. We love focusing upon earthly leaders with their agenda. We love the generals who conquer. We love our heroes in battle, whether in symbol Marvel characters or in real life. We have such a hard time 
consistently transcending our earthly thinking for a king who's riding on a donkey. (laughs) We are so prone in our sin to celebrate Christ's entrance into Jerusalem and then with a single blink of our eye, single blink of our eye, turn almost all our attention to rulers riding in limousines. I'm going to ask you this question. Where will your attention be tomorrow after this message? Will you give more attention to Washington, D.C.? To global affairs? Or are you going to keep Jesus as king in your heart as you look at the events all around you? Will you treat this text this morning like Palm Sunday? We had it, now we go on, we live in the world. That's where reality is. I am not totally conscious in my life of the king of glory. Is that you? In congregation, please hear me. This message is for Bill Dennison. as much as it is for all of us. That weakness of the flesh dwells in me, just like all of us. Oh, oh yes, for the eyes of Bartimaeus whose eyes are wide open with faith in Christ that rests solely rests solely upon a king king who rides upon a colt to his execution and deliverance from the grave unto eternal life for everyone who embraces the good news. That's Mark, the good news. Is the good news truly good news? In your heart, is it truly 
that which encompasses your life. Then let us as a congregation in our own hearts confess this morning, Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, our hearts by thy spirit sings unto thee. We ask, O Lord, to lift us up before your throne of grace and have us understand that thou art the king of all creation and that we believe that in terms of even how providence is unfolding before our eyes on this very day. We are thankful that we have a king who reigns forever who is not a prince, a queen of this creation. We ask, O Lord, that you would place in our hearts the love of Jesus all the days of our life and that we would continue to understand his glorified ascent upon his throne. In Christ's name, amen.